0: Hi, I'm Alice Zhao.
1: I'm Curtis Herbert. And I'm Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Firely.
0: And this is Independence, a show where the three of us talk about our efforts to make a living from the web and mobile. And it appears one of us is really good at doing this all while at a beachside resort. Just saying. Curtis. Hey, to be fair, I didn't
2: work at the resort. And also, (laughs) to be fair, you had a ticket to that conference and you decided not to go. I
0: did. I had to sell it and I was so sad. But you also got to go to India. So, you know, there's that. There's that and really, really long work days. But no, you're right. I got to go to India and I ate a lot of Indian food, which I love. But back to your beachside resort stop, you know, trying to Deflect. detract from. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to chat a little bit about how Yano was also there since I was. not I know I wasn't able to go, but Yana was there. And what was it? Where would you guys go? Maybe our favorite conference of all time. WWDC. Bo! (laughs) Ouch.
1: Sick burn. (laughs) Is it? I don't know. Okay,
0: fine. The second favorite.
1: Are you looking for an answer from Curtis? Because no. I can't answer this. I've never been to release notes. <laughs> <laughs> I am forbade from saying its name.
2: It's this like Pee Wee Herman where there's a special word of the day that like someone's really trying to there get everyone is. to say and then everyone's yeah. like,
0: yay. Yeah. I didn't do so, such a good job. No. After each release notes, we're usually pretty inspired by the talks and by the conversations we had. And this time, Yano came back And we um, had a chat about what he got from the conference. He was mostly inspired by a talk by Patrick Campbell. um, And that was about value-based pricing. But more importantly, he's like, Alice, I think it's time we do subscriptions. And so considering we're the only one, I'm the only one of the three of us here that hasn't gone the subscription route, it made me want to think about it again and consider whether or not this is the right way to go. And I also thought about how, you know, whatever assumptions I've been making about the users and what they are willing or not willing to pay, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But I wanted to get your perspective with your experience on subscriptions. I know that Curtis, you've already been in the, biz- the subscription model for several years.
2: I did subscriptions before they were cool.
0: I know you did. <laughs>
2: I'm the subscription <laughs> hipster. I see how it is.
0: Deli, you've been doing this for about a year and a half?
1: Yeah, about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, give, give yeah. yeah. I wanted to rewind the clock just a little bit and get you know your story behind how you considered subscriptions and like, or what led you to that if i
2: recall correctly jelly you wanted money i think that's what it was right
1: What? <laughs> weird that is that why we do this yeah look <laughs> the, part of the reason that i went to subscriptions is because i could see that uh from a business perspective gift wrapped was going nowhere and in order to make it worth my time i needed to be able to find new ways to approach the the actual you know money side of of the app and it's hard because nobody wants to pay for gifts i've mentioned this many times it's just 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 a thing that people don't want to do but I figured that if I could, uh, I, I could trick them into giving me money more than once. <laughs> then I would be good. I hope <laughs> none of your users are listening. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, it's not a, tr- it's not a trick. It's it, like I, I, I'm joking. See, see our episode on ethical businesses <laughs> no i i it's i have a lot of users who are really invested in gift and they love gift and they want to support it but then i have a lot of users who are just not they are perfectly happy using whatever is i give them for free and as a general rule they just want to you know want the basic set of features that i put into gift wrapped and i can only make money from one of those parts of the business and the only way that I can really do that is to sort of uh, charge them on a more regular basis so moving to a subscription made a lot of sense in that way because I was certainly not going to try and do upgrade pricing which is just a nightmare let's be honest in in the iOS app store so subscriptions was really the, the 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 best route to go and honestly I feel like it was a general success. When I first launched it, I didn't have any sort of negative feedback from it. Like you, you see a lot of apps, you know, and more and more over the last uh, few years, you see a lot of a, a lot of developers who go the subscription route and then catch a lot of flack for that. I saw nothing in that in that vein, or maybe one statement, which is very surprising. Ink, oh, it's incredibly <laughs> surprising, and honestly, like it just means that I don't have users who care, or something. I don't know, but it went really successfully. And then, uh, as far as like how it has affected my actual income, once I actually implemented subscriptions and sort of went that route and turned off all of my previous in-app purchases, my revenue basically stayed exactly the same until the year passed at which point i started seeing people renewing and then like i've started to see an, an a general increase uh slow very very slow but a general increase in in, in your know, revenue from subscriptions which is good which is what i wanted that's that's what i wanted
0: so curtis you've been at a little bit longer But what If you could think Even as far back As you can Before you went Subscriptions Before you You know Became Mr. Moneybags Like What was the, Your original Thought process Before um, While you were Considering subscriptions Money equals Good <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think clearly that's not what I'm thinking about because I'm still in the non-subscription
2: model. No, I mean, I think my thought process was what I was doing at the time wasn't, I think, sustainable. Hmm. It was seeing more success every year, but it certainly wasn't growing fast enough and it wasn't sustainable. So I needed to try something very different. And I was inspired by the fact that other fitness apps had been doing subscriptions for quite some time. Uh, You know, Runkeeper, Strava, stuff like that. They had tried subscriptions a very long time ago. So I was kind of inspired by that. And I figured uh, I have to give it a shot. Um, I probably talked a decent amount about this back in our pricing episode in March of 2018. May of 2018. It was a, it was an M month.
1: You were, yeah, that's that's when it was. March 2018. Okay. Like a month before I went.
2: See, when you go to subscriptions, that date is burned into your mind. You you will <laughs> never forget it.
1: You'll always remember it.
0: Is it because it was it, you were fraught with nightmares that it wouldn't go well?
1: <laughs> no, it's because every year at that point my revenue goes whoop up a little higher. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Looking back, sounds like it was a good decision, but before that Did you have any hesitations um, to do subscriptions? Because that's where I'm at right now. A whole lot of hesitations.
1: Jelly, you did, didn't you? Yeah, I had tons, which is why we did the episode on pricing, actually. I
0: think.
1: <laughs> but one of the major, one of the major ones that was concerning to me was subscription fatigue, which was a thing even then, and a year and a half later, mm-hmm. we're still talking about it, right?
2: Well, we're still talking about a lot of things that don't deserve to be talked about as a community. <laughs> subscription fatigue has not been proven to be a thing
1: at all. Well, I, I mean, as a general rule, it comes up every now and then that some some person gets a I don't know a thorn in their foot or something what's the there's a phrase for that anyway somebody gets a bee in their bonnet about subscriptions and <laughs> like they, they don't like they don't like subscriptions and that it should they you know no app should be doing this and everything should be a dollar and you shouldn't be able to make money from apps that's crazy talk And like, regardless of whether that's true or not, which is kind of, it's a thing to sort of take into consideration, but I was concerned going into it, as I mentioned about backlash, right? Because there is definitely backlash to like implementing subscriptions. And more importantly, there's backlash to changing your pricing strategy. If you have got, if you go from a pricing strategy that people, you know, feel accustomed to and change that up for something that people do not feel is fair then they are going to be yeah. pissed about it. They're going to be annoyed because, I mean, why wouldn't you be? Well, if, you suddenly if have it's, to?
2: If, it, if it's the same skew too, which is the yeah. situation that both you and right. I were in. And Alice, I think you're in a slightly different situation that you would be looking at Gus++ as a new skew in the App Store. Right. Yeah. So you don't have that problem where you're going to break the old version of the app. So you actually have an advantage over the two of us, at least in that situation.
1: But I definitely was worried about people jumping on my back about you know the change to subscriptions and so like part of the part of the plan that i sort of put together for transitioning to subscriptions involved trying to keep those people happy and not sort of ripping the rug out of people out from under people who uh, you know had been told one thing because like one of the things that I had done previous to subscriptions was have a forever unlock option for like you, you buy this and that's it. You get everything that I ever release in this app, which is terrible. Do not do that. (laughs) (laughs) If you're making an app now, don't do that. But obviously like having done that, it was important to me that I find a way to keep those users happy because I didn't want to just make it so that like they had to pay again and screw them because that's, I mean, I felt like that—that that was a bad thing.
2: But that was our entire software industry model for so long. Was you paid sixty dollars for? Okay, no, I'm sorry. You paid six hundred and ninety nine dollars for Photoshop one year, I, I and know. then the next year or a year and a half later, they expected you sure. to pay another seven hundred dollars again.
1: But it's the wording. It's the wording that you that you use uh, for that stuff. And when you say that, like when you offer a product for like for an upfront price. Uh, which, for starters, gift wrap, that was not GifRap's scenario at any point. It was always free with in-app purchases. But I literally used the word forever, which is <laughs> not a good word to ever use. No. And I definitely had seen, previous to this, people who had used terms like that and then sort of gone back on them. Because, I mean, like you can't, that's not a promise that you can make. But people then, they take it however they want to take it. And... Part of that was just I made it possible so that if a person wanted to resubscribe, there was a route for them to do that if they had already purchased like the the forever unlock option, but if they didn't want to do that, then it just it they got the same stuff that they always did, which is reasonable. I feel.
2: Yeah, no, I think grandfathering is respectful. I just I'm always mm-hmm. cautious too of. The people who will complain about switching to subscriptions, it, it's the same kind of people that would complain that you charge money for your app. You know, I got no yeah. end of complaints that Slopes was $5. And then when I raised the price to $8, they're like, well, why don't you make it four ninety-nine? Then I would pay for it. It's like it already was. And <laughs> I feel like we sometimes focus very strongly on those angry customers, see previous episode, where... That's the those are the loud minority. And we're always going to get people. I think that people saying that they don't want to pay for subscriptions and saying that subscriptions are it's wrong for an app to charge ongoing money and all that kind of stuff. Those are the same people who took pride in never paying for an app on their phone and they're going to exist. And we need to not focus too much on those people when we're coming up with our pricing strategy we need to be respectful and we need to be careful about blowback but we do need to understand that some of that blowback yeah it's blowing something up or something <laughs> <laughs> Okay,
1: okay. <laughs> yeah and i it was my my choices around doing the things that i did were not based on fear appeasing well yeah i mean they were a little bit based on fear because like it was all theoretical in you know because it was all happening beforehand but they weren't it wasn't based on appeasing or trying to appease the people who would never who were never going to pay for my app Mm -hmm. because look if you write to me and say hey look you should just have a forever unlock option now why why do i have to buy a subscription well my answer to you is well that's sorry too bad so sad Go away now <laughs> you had the chance to buy this the forever unlock. it was there for a long period of time, and for the people who did buy it, I feel like I owe them something, yeah they supported me, they bought the nah. thing a lot of them bought the thing before it was even like before a lot of things were even working properly. It, You know, they, they, they invested in, in what I was doing and I I feel like I owe them at least to, uh, to honor the terms that I had set out. But if people are going to complain about subscriptions, then my answer is, well, that's so sad. Oh, well, that's goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, honestly, I'm going to do what I need to do to make my app work for, for a long term because if i you know don't make money from my app then i have to drop it and that's that's not good for anybody it's not good for the people who do pay it's not good for the people who don't pay and it's just it's generally not good for me cuz i i like working on Gifrant <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i keep thinking about when we do paid up front like the ones who paid i don't know 6 years ago I will still get an email about it and I'm like, you paid like four dollars six years ago and you still want me to support it. It's like uh-huh. it's a, it, it feels mm, conflicting <laughs> to say it nicely or or even um, I got an email last week that said, is there a free trial? Just to make sure this is right. And I'm like, but it's $4. No, yeah,
2: I got that all the time with slopes.
0: But yeah. (laughs) And so, but anyway, but I'm thinking like long term, okay, that even if they gave me that $4, like I'm supporting that $4 for a really, really long time Mm -hmm. sometimes. So yeah. Oh, no,
1: look, absolutely. I can guarantee you that I spend more time doing support stuff for people who don't pay for my app Mm -hmm. than for people (laughs) who do pay for my app. So it is literally the people who are paying the subscription that are paying for the time that I spend supporting all the people that use it for free. Mm. And people don't care because they expect that my app on their phone should work exactly right all the time, never be like never do anything wrong. Right. And it's just not how it works. The The, the fact is you've got to make money from the app because I, I've got to make money from GifRap because I've got to be able to actually – be able to afford to put the time into gift wrapped. because if i don't make money from it then i'm gonna to have to go and work work somewhere else work on something else do something else anything else literally anything else well
2: and that's one interesting thing i think about getting back to what alice said yano coming back uh, from the beach and all the mosquitoes <laughs> excited by patrick's talk was figuring out kind of that price range that you can exist in that users will be happy with and optimizing that because then that helps you offset all the people who are using your app for free. Because I mean, honestly you're probably going to have 10% conversion rate to paid users. You're going to have a lot of people sucking your time dry that aren't paying you anything. So finding that optimal pricing point um, was one of the things I was pretty interested with his talk um, about how to figure that out. And also he got into like how to figure out what features actually drive value to your users because Mm -hmm. then it's easier to explain to them, hey, you know, this is why you're paying money uh, because these are the must-have features that you actually feel are must-have. And he had this really interesting chart of apps that that sent out surveys to their users to figure out, like, you know, where their users must have or were they kind of nice or were they actually useless? And every, of course, all the CEOs and everything said that, oh, yeah, these are all must have features. And turns out they were like half of them were junk features that the users didn't even care about. Yeah. And like he was really getting into the science of that, which was pretty cool and how to figure that out. So that then we can do what you're saying we need to do, Jelly, of supporting those users.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of free users, (laughs) um, can you go into like how you separated, you know, your free users versus your paid features or your subscription features or like how, how that plays out in your app or how you kind of chunk it up?
2: When I approached it, it was trying to figure out, okay, if how can somebody use this app? If I were to have like no features, start from there. How could somebody use this app and get some value out of it? Maybe not the most value, maybe not the hardcore snowboarding and skiing enthusiasts, the value that they would want out of it, but kind of like what are the core features? So for me, that was, you know, recording that had to be free, some kind of data coming back about that had to be free it couldn't just be Mm -hmm. you have to pay 20 dollars a year to see any of your data that wouldn't work because i also wanted people to be able to use the app for free and kind of grow with it and hopefully eventually want to pay for it and i started from there and then i came on the other side too of like well what kind of data do i as an enthusiast really care about. And that's the kind of stuff that was like, oh, okay, well I really care, you know, where my top speed was for the day. You know, I see I went fifty miles per hour, where was that? That's the kind of stuff that I started coming out from the other side to be like, oh, okay, well that's you know, that's something that somebody's gonna want to scratch their itch on. And that's not necessarily a feature that has to be given away for free. Some people will complain for sure. Mm -hmm. But it's a feature that I think scratches enough curiosity to get people to pay
1: yeah so it was was that balance act it's hard yeah it is hard and i i I don't necessarily feel like i've nailed it and coming from a free app with in-app purchases to a free app with subscriptions isn't that much of a leap so basically what i did when i went subscription was make all of those in-app purchases Available via subscription, hmm. but I don't necessarily feel like I've made the right choice every single time as to what features should have been prior to subscriptions, and in that purchase, and now with subscriptions part of the that sort of premium package. Because I've I've mentioned many many times that like one of the major features that people use my app for is downloading gifts from Twitter, and that's a free that's free. Like you can just do that, and I sort of occasionally kick myself because like I could have been making money from that feature, which is clearly a major thing, but I didn't see that up front because it can be hard and it can be hard to figure out what those features are. As a general rule, my my suggestion to other people, because it's obviously it's hard to do this with GIF wrapped, but I've had a bit of sort of time to to dwell on it, is to make it so that people who are paying for your app are getting more out of the app than what they would if it was free. Yeah. Which is those sort of must have features that you that you were talking about earlier Curtis. The the features that are that really are very useful for making like they make using the app better. Ideally your app when it's free should be making your users lives better and that's why they want to download it in the first place. But then like the the subscription stuff should be making it even better again and making it mm-hmm. so that they feel like they are you know, uh, heads above everybody else.
2: Yeah, and that's something that Patrick really got into. Like I was alluding to, like what are your must-haves versus kind of a nice-to-have feature to your users? Because I've seen some of my previous competitors uh, that have now pivoted and gone away. (laughs) They were basically only charging for the nice-to-haves. And they were certainly making their users' lives better by paying. Yeah, They were an added bonus, but that's basically all they were. They were bonuses. They didn't really feature lock any must-have features. And mm-hmm. that can be painful because some users are definitely going to say, like, hey, why am I not getting this for free? This is bullshit that I have to pay for this. No, but No other app does that. But at the end of the day, that's the only thing that your users are actually going to fork over money for. You know, they're only going to pay you for the must haves. And then yeah. any of those nice to haves are the bonus. You know, they'll feel like they're even getting more out of it. And that's great. So you want to mix of the two, but you need to at least have a couple of those must have features hmm. in there. Yeah,
0: I, I do feel like Gus is very, very different from both of your businesses because it is content based versus Feature based, I would say. And like previously, we've experimented with premium, like two free stories, and then you purchase or in app purchases for more stories. And I'm wondering if that's the same route we'll go this time around if it's content based or if it's going to be more. Of, I mean, certainly I wouldn't give away all the content for free, but like, or do I roll in some features that are, you know, must haves? in the subscription versus the uh, free version i guess yeah i'm still trying to figure that out if it's a viable option
1: well i mean one of the things that you've you've got to kind of take into account with with gus because it is content based that is really the must have feature there is no mm-hmm. there is not really any other must have features except for maybe languages but as a general rule a person might only care about one or two languages maybe a handful more if they're particularly fluent or something. A subscription for like access as many languages as you want is not going to be as highly useful as a subscription for content, which is really what your app drives. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about your app from the perspective of being a content-based thing, like you're thinking about like magazines and uh, other apps in that sort of vein where there's, there's new content on the regular and it means that with Gus that your work changes so for us for Curtis and I subscriptions are more or less a passive in, like form of income because we can add features and we can like do work in order to make sure that the features continue to work properly like Curtis has a server side component and stuff like that so he's it's not like he's not doing work but he can go on a four week <laughs> four week holiday <laughs> if he wants to and it's not going to really affect his like his subscription base, right? But on the other hand, if you've got a content-based thing and your people are subscribing for content, they're going to expect that content to come out at an at intervals or right. they're going to expect that content to be available at least fa- on a fairly regular basis which then puts the pressure on you to produce that content. Correct.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So when you've talked about Gus though, in the past, speaking of content, I didn't get the impression that you were thinking of delivering new content like every month or something like that. Right?
0: Yeah. Not at that frequency. It is hard. (laughs) Content is hard in general. Yeah, it's a lot of work for you. You might have a hard time,
2: I think, because when you have subscriptions, you need an app that's going to be sticky, Mm -hmm. something that the user will keep coming back to month after month. Yeah. Let's say even like, okay, Gus++, maybe you don't do yearly, maybe you do monthly. Um, Because you said in the past you expect that children will use the app for a little bit and then they'll probably move on. So let's say you do a monthly fee for that. So you can actually see some renewal right Mm. there. When you do that, though, you're going to get like two or three months out of them, maybe. Yeah. Unless you were somehow doing new content to keep pulling them into the app. And I think that's something you really have to think about. And I think you're kind of at a disadvantage here because Jelly's app, you know, everybody wants to put memes up all the time and they're always looking for new gifts to use. And slopes every season people are trying to go skiing unless they break something yep. um, or unless global warming continues to kill my industry. But <laughs> you've already admitted that your app is something that might not be that sticky. So I, I don't necessarily want to say it can't be done. Yeah. But I do think that that's a serious thing that you need to evaluate because people, if it's not sticky, they're going to have another reason to question why they should be giving you subscription money right. versus a one-time in-app purchase. There's definitely a barrier to getting people to subscribe. They have to feel like I'm going to use this a lot. I'm going to use this all the time. Exactly. And, you know, a weather app, a GIF app, stuff like that, that's a little bit easier of a sell. But if it's not like Duolingo, where they're getting new content all the time, or it's this big, huge thing, if it's just something that you really think is only going to last for, you know, a couple of weeks or a couple of months, that's where a single consumable in-app purchase might work out better. And that's, yeah. I don't know the right way to figure that out. But I think that's something you definitely have to take a serious look at because you don't want to go through all the work of setting up subscriptions just to have it completely fail.
1: Yeah, because I, I would think that of the things that are important in Gus, it's your content, but it's also languages. And if you have content packs and the available like the ability to purchase access to new languages, like that would be that would in my mind be enough. And subscriptions are not necessarily important. Mm -hmm. And you might have a subscription that basically acts as a unlock everything as long as you're subscribed. But at that point, I would definitely be concerned that subscription sort of suggests the idea of, constant access to new content especially if that is something that you are sort of doing within the app anyway because if you want this to be if you want gus plus 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 to be a (laughs) long-term thing you're going to be adding content on on a continual basis it may not necessarily be month to month but you might you know add some new lessons every i don't know year or so or maybe every six months i don't know but if that's not enough for people to uh, like to get any sort of benefit out of their subscription, if they are if they're subscribing and only getting really a couple of months out of it and then like and then ditching it, then the content sort of becomes a thing that they're not necessarily. Um, they might need to not even see the new content, which could be a problem. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: agreed. And it's it's hard too because like when you're looking at an app like Duolingo or something, it's very aspirational to the person who's downloading it and potentially subscribing to it. They want to learn Japanese finally or something like that. And it's the same way that people buy gym memberships. You know, it's kind of an aspirational purchase. Mm -hmm. And you won't be doing that as much. The child isn't necessarily going to be aspirational at that point. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're that self-aware. As
0: a four-year-old, they may not have be setting these goals. They want to spend that money <laughs> on the
2: latest Power Ranger toy, not on some language app. And odds are, it's the parent buying the language Correct. app. Correct. So you right. lose that aspirational yep thing, which I think is a strong seller for subscriptions. Yeah, yep. and. So you might even want to consider kind of like what Jelly's saying of, you know, maybe if you had enough content, you could do a subscription. So you just get all the content for free. You could pull something out of the slopes book where you need to look at your whole market and find different ways to make in-app purchases for different segments of your market. Mm -hmm. So your consumer market might be in-app purchases because let's be real. When I was in middle school, I had to learn two languages. I could pick out of four which ones they were, but I had to learn two languages, uh, just introductory half semester courses, basically. And that's going to be most kids. You know, they're going to learn one or two languages. So selling content packs of languages, eh, you might get one purchase. And you kind of went that way with Gus, too. There's a whole other segment of your market, though, that might appeal to subscriptions, maybe, although they don't have deep pockets. um, And that's the educational side of things. You know, if you can Mm -hmm. find a way to target the educational market and get schools using this, they are ones who will see the value of this app year over year over year.
0: Yeah, that's a whole other can of worms. (laughs) Which, of course, we aspire to, but I don't know if we'll get there.
2: Yeah, but it, it's a way to look at it that even if subscriptions don't necessarily work out for the consumer side of things, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. it could be something that just you need to find the right segment of the market for it. Yeah. But you, right. you just, I guess you want to be careful because if you go the subscription route, you're adding an additional mental barrier for people than a single in-app purchase yeah and you need to make sure that the conversion rate that you're going to get and the lifetime value that you're going to get through renewals works out in your favor because a bulk upfront price priced at three months of what you would charge a subscription might work out because it turns out your lifetime value of a customer is going to be two months Who knows? Right. But that's the kind of balancing act you need to figure out when you're evaluating this. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, like, Yano coming back after seeing Patrick's talk and everything that we keep mentioning, I don't know if he has more resources on his website or somewhere uh, that might help more with this kind of pricing evaluation stuff. Um, But if nothing else he did have some interesting stuff on figuring out like, okay, what's kind of your price range and what are your core features and stuff like that. And that might be worth doing before you decide on any kind of pricing model.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other episode if we talk about surveys, but I did find that really interesting. I did look through his deck and using surveys to really, and surveys and data really to, you know, determine your pricing versus, you know, guessing and hoping that it's the right answer. So Science. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> well, I guess as usual, I've got a lot to think about. We'll see where this takes us if we ever get to release Gus. I'm um, still hopeful. I'm always open to more advice <laughs> and if you'd like to get in touch with us in other words I'm not getting enough from the two of you no i'm kidding tune in next time for the episode the search for more facts <laughs> but you can always get in touch with us at hello at independence.fm or independence.fm slash contact sometimes we're on the internets um you can find me on twitter at eat duck i must
1: i am parrots the plural of the bird and i am jelly bean soup
0: Thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Bye-bye.